Good morning. Today's scripture is from 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 11. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. I'd like to ask our scout friends to come down front, please. For 30 plus years, uh, scouting has been a part of our church, uh, church house. If you guys would just line up across the front here and face, face the other way. Uh, 30 plus years, I believe the uh, scouts have been a part of our troop, Ronnie Dye, uh, Bob Bradner were the ones to help initiate scouting at, and using our building on Tuesday nights. And, uh, they have been here uh, doing many great, learning many great things and uh, helping us with lots of projects along the way as well. And I've always, uh, I was a scout growing up. I, uh, though I failed, I only got to life. <laughs> I'm glad I got life, but I didn't make it to Eagle. I got myself into some other, other projects and activities, but my, my middle brother made it to Eagle and I have yet to hear the end of that. But uh, what, a, what an honor it is to be in such a program to shape your lives. How many others in, in our group were in scouting growing up? If you were in scouting, if you'd stand up, please. How awesome. I would like to invite you to join these guys in reciting the scout oath. So if you would do your salute. <laughs> your salute, please. Three fingers up. A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, thrifty, clean, and reverent. I turned them around a little bit, but I do that a lot. And then the scout oath. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country, to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, keep myself strong, straight, and morally straight. Thank you. Let's give these folks a, a hand. We thank you. S scouting originally was had a great opportunity to focus people on the right, doing the right things, and it was because of uh, because of God. If you research scouting back far enough, uh, they they loved God. They, their founders loved God and helped try to get people to live in that way and to serve in a great way. So we are honored to have this, these two troops with us. We have a girls' troop and a guys' troop, but it's all called scouting now. And we are privileged and honored to have you guys with us today. And they're going to be serving us lunch after a while. So, so be nice to them. They're going to be serving your lunch. Thank you guys for coming and being with us today. Thank you.
morning as we uh, continue our lesson, this is uh, this lesson as we uh, hit First Peter <coughs> chapter five today. <clears throat> it's been a long week. <laughs> um, I changed up the title from uh, Thursday to today as I kept studying the, the lesson and trying to look at things. I changed it from suffering, and we'll hit that piece of it, but uh, I don't want to talk about suffering because I, I get suffering this week, but uh, um, change it to lion alert. And as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, starting the verses that Terry read for us today, we realized that uh, there's a lion, and the lion is the devil in these stories. And uh, a lot of times we think of the song, In the Jungle, the Mighty Jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. <laughs> Remember that song? We could sing it, but we're not going to sing it. And then there's, it's the peaceful, the, the whim away, a whim away, a whim away, and the lion's just peaceful like the Lion King. And uh, just kind of peaceful. Scripture doesn't paint that picture of a lion for us. And in this, uh, this uh, part of Scripture, and for those of you who may know, my young middle brother raised a lion from this big to huge and uh, finally had to surrender it at one, at one point. Uh, that lion was, uh, was very, seemed to be very uh, playful and nice because you know, it had no others to teach it the, the wrong ways. Got out of my car one time and it ran up to me and put its paws up on my shoulders over my back. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm done with this guy. <laughs> I'm done with this guy. But uh, her name is Sheba and uh, was just an interesting part of our family. And then he went from that to an alligator that he brought home like this big, became eight feet. So my, my family doesn't always have the normal pets. Uh, they, some things just aren't right sometimes in your family. Anyway, back to, to uh, the lion and the Satan. This, this, this section of verses paints a, a horrifying picture of, of who Satan is. And Satan is referred in Scripture as the devil 35 times and 54 times as Satan. And then the deceiver and other names he's called several other times throughout Scripture. And Satan, Satan or the devil is a cover-up, deceitful, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, if you remember Adam and Eve, when he first appeared to Adam and Eve, he seemed to be friendly, even though he was in the form of a serpent, <laughs> which are not friendly in my, uh, my book. My brother's had a couple of those along the way as well. But, uh, but he even came across as, as, uh, as friendly. There's a quote from the, the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ. There was an interview with Mel Gibson and it says, and the question was, why was the devil portrayed by a person that you couldn't clearly identify? Was it a beautiful woman or a hideous man? Sometimes the character looked, and other, looked good, and other times the character looked ugly. And Mel Gibson's reply was, I wanted it this way because it is how the enemy is. Evil looks good until you turn it around a little and see the whole spectrum, and then you see the ugliness. The ugly, brutal lion goes undetected. I thought that was an interesting quote. And I want to put, put a statement out here that you're not going to like. Um, everyone in this room has a relationship with Satan. Whether you agree with that or not, we all have a relationship with Satan. Either he is your friend, 
or he is your enemy. But now you can breathe a little easier. <laughs> um, but not really. We all have that relationship with Satan. He's either our friend or he's our enemy. And it's better that the devil be your enemy than your friend. Because if he's your friend, you're living in a, a dangerous world. You're living in a dangerous relationship where anything goes. And God is not there. God is, is not in those relationships. So as we think about the devil, his identity, we think about his strategy. Verse 8 from the reading that Terry shared with us. Next slide. Um, that Terry read from us. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. On the prowl, walking about, seeking someone he may devour, someone he may gulp down. That's a picture that's horrifying to see. And if you've ever seen wild animals attack, or lions attack other animals, it's, it's horrifying to watch. It's to watch that prey, that, that stance of, of attack, and then uh, the attack, and then the gulping down. Um, Satan has a strategy. strategy. The devil has a strategy for you and I. He wants us to be his friend, but we cannot be his friend. We have to, his goal is that all people would burn in hell with him. The interesting thing is that Satan is not in hell right now. He is here. He is all around us. He, is, he will be confined to that place of hell at, at some point. But right now, he's hard at work. And we're going to talk a little more about, more about that in just a second. He wants all people to burn in hell forever. In, June, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If we would look at Satan and the evil of the world, that it's coming to steal, to kill us, and to destroy us, we would, we would have a better arm. It could arm us better to fight Satan if we knew that was his, his goal for us. And that God's goal, that Jesus came, that we may have life and have it to the full. That's one of my favorite verses, the second part of that, that that's God's purpose for us in life. But Satan's strategy not only is to make people burn in hell forever, but it's also to make, Satan, to make Christians weak. And I've said this before, and I will continue to repeat this story as long as I can remember it, as long as I live. Um, there was a youth rally that we went to several years ago, and the whole theme was about, about heaven and hell. The whole theme was about, during each time, they would tell the people, oh, don't forget to sign the book. And the book was in the lobby, and it said the book of life. And as, as during the weekend, people, kids, all of us were told to sign, the book, to sign the book of life. Don't forget to sign the book. And so during the different class changes the different things, some people would sign it, other people would walk by it, much like life for us as Christians and non-Christians, kind of ignore it. And then that night during dinner, the trumpets sounded. People dropped their dinners. We were told to go back into the auditorium. And as we entered the auditorium, there was a figure up front with that book of life. And in that book of life were the names of the people who were to be saved. And as those names were read, you were separated from the, the left to the right, and, and you were in your destination. I had failed to mention mom and Diane had come to visit that night <laughs> and I was the speaker and I had forgot to tell them to sign the book. 
So I looked as I saw my mom and my, uh, and my wife on the left side, not on the right side where, with the heaven people. But one of the most remarkable things of that, that youth rally, of that sermon, was nothing that I said, was nothing that, was, that really was, happened with what we did, except for when Satan came down the aisle. And Satan had portrayed him, there was a, a young man who portrayed Satan. As he came down the aisle, I will never forget it, because he looked to the ones on the left, and he said, you were mine. You guys have always been mine. You, you've never loved God. You've never reached out to him. You don't understand him. You, you are mine. You, you are going to burn with me in hell. But the horrifying piece was the second thing that he said. Because he looked at the people on the right. He looked at the people at the right who were Christians, who had signed the book and were, were safe. And he looked at them and he said, you know, and I have most of you as well, because you became very anemic. You didn't really care. You were pretty apathetic about doing the work of God. Some of you, you know, have stood out and done some pretty awesome things, but a lot of you have just kind of just let it go. Those words cut me like a knife. Because we think, because we are in God's hands and God's house and God's kids, we think that we have got it. But very sadly, Satan has taken even us and used us in such a way and allowed us to be busy, to allowed us to be apathetic, allowed us to, to just forget and have different priorities than those of God. And by doing so, he's got us too. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you could probably feel that in your life. You could probably feel and see some of the times when you didn't do the things that you were supposed to do. When the pandemic was far, no, well, not far from over, but at least the opportunity to be back and to worship and to be active together, and yet you chose, to still choose to be away. When you have that opportunity to say something to your workmate, to your classmate, to your husband or your wife, as, as uh, Chris said a while ago, um, one of the first things that I noticed about the, um, the Harrisons when they got here was their great desire for discipleship, their great desire. And uh, uh, Austin shared about his, his group, his uh, men's group, where they were challenging each other to be disciples and to disciple and to reach out to others to hold each other accountable, to say hey to your coworker, hey to your family member, hey to your neighbor, do you know Jesus? Do you want to live and be like Jesus? Because a lot of us as Christians have not been living that life. We've not been doing it. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we're in God's hands. But are we just an ornament? Are we just something that's just here and not something that's being useful and working for God? So I'll never forget that youth rally. I'll never forget, I, I have forgotten almost all the things I've ever, <laughs> most of the things that I've spoke to preach, but that is so etched into my mind because Satan has a great work and he wants to make Christians 
weak, anemic, ineffective, distracted, and weighed down with this or that, your career, your sports, um, your politics, your project, your hobby. And when life gets so busy that you forget about advancing the kingdom, we're messed up. We miss the goal. We have to advance the kingdom. And when I say that, what, do I, what is it I mean? We have to be putting in a good word for Jesus. You and I have to be talking about Jesus to the people around us and letting them know um, who he is. So Christians that are just existing are not doing anything damage, do no damage to the devil because he's got you. He's got you. Satan is hungry and Christians are on his menu. Job chapter 1 shows that God saw Satan had been studying Job. Read that first chapter. It's a very interesting. And if you also read in the New Testament, he was also eyeing uh, Peter, James, and John. He was looking for them. He was trying to foul them up. And it wasn't because, uh, it was because they were actively speaking and working out, uh, looking for Christians and people to become Christians. Satan is actively studying you and me. He's trying to find our weaknesses. He's trying to find our available time. He's trying to keep us busy. He's trying to cause confusion in our relationships. He tries to bring sorrow into our life that doesn't end. He tries us to make us feel like we have no hope, that we have no future, that you are no good, that you are worthless. That's Satan's goal for us. And he studies us, and he tries to find those weaknesses because we are all prone to fall. We are all easily tempted, whether it's anger or lust, pornography, insecurity, whether it's lying, and the list goes on and on. All of those things affect us and are, are with us in our lives today. But we have to remember that God is still in control. Though it's Satan's, it's God's world, but it's Satan's territory but we can keep him at bay. And we have to remember that God keeps him at bay. Um, <clears throat> in the fire, God will keep his eye on us and he'll keep his finger on the thermostat. You remember that verse, and I learned this in scouting. Um, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so you can endure it. So God has a thermostat that he watches. Satan will not have his way with you beyond what you can bear. God knows us. He wants us to be able to stand up under it. We have the power. We have the God and Christ who loves us. We need to tap into that. We need to hold on to that and be able to... Um, to mess him up, to mess uh, Satan up. And our enemy is active. We need to, verse 9 says, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Satan has access to the entire world. And you can see him active in the entire world. But his focus is mainly on believers. And why is that? There's no challenge to the world who doesn't know Christ. There's no challenge to them. He's already got them. But his, his desire is to devour those of us who are believers and who are trying to, to, uh, to live and shine the light for him. So we are his target. 
Jesus referred to Satan as the ruler of the world. We like to sing, this is my father's world. You know that's that hymn. But Satan has access to it, but he's on a leash. He is on a leash, and God has control of him. First of uh, Satan has targets in his territory. Jesus is his number one target. From the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan is told that someone is coming to crush his head, that is Jesus. So Satan's priority is to crush Jesus and his believers and his followers and the people. Satan's second target is the holy angels. The third target is, is the, the nation of Israel, because of all the promises that God made to Abraham through David and, and to us today. And the fourth target is us as believers, because we are the object of God's favor and grace and love. So that Satan is after us. It's a battle. It's something that we constantly face. Believers must stand firm. In verse 9 it says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. What is it to know that somebody else is going through the same kind of suffering? Is that uh, an encouragement? Is that something to throw up your hands and give up because if, everybody, if it's happening to everybody, none of us are gonna win? Or is it something to realize that other people are doing it and they're turning their eyes to God, they're facing God, and I can follow them as they follow Jesus. Sorry, Samuel. <laughs> I was gonna mention when I got up here today, I had quite the view this morning. Uh, Arthur was in front of me, and uh, Brady was in front of Arthur. I'm kind of seeing the week old, week old to the 90-year-old, 91-year-old. So it was a beautiful sight, Brady. That's, it's good to have you with us this morning, but I, that was a just, and I actually took a picture of it. So I gotta get a waiver signed by both of you that I could use it. But uh, what a beautiful sight that is in our, our, our church today. Um, so back to the verse. Uh, Resist him standing firm in faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You're not going through something alone. The sin, the temptations that are in your life, you are not the only one in the world facing them. There's lots of opportunities that Satan slips in. And we need to realize and share that with each other. And Ray Stevens is a, is a beautiful example of this currently, of someone who is, who is a prayer warrior and trying to keep many situations and opportunities before God and praying for those things. Because he knows, he, he knows life. He has family issues, he has community issues. He has all kinds of things that have happened, and he knows the only way to get through that is prayer, and I appreciate that about what you do, Ray, in your service, you and your, your prayer warriors as you pray together. But we have to pray because so many people are, are in a struggle, and we have to know that we're all in it together, and I think that's part of what this, uh, these verses has uh, um, to bring before us today. But we have to remember that, de that the devil has his frailty. Um, he cannot be ignored. Verse 9 says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him. At the beginning of those verses, it said to be sober, be vigilant, resist him. We have to be sober, self-controlled, disciplined, and think clearly about the things that we're involved in, the things that we are doing. 
We have to think clearly about those things. Um, when you think of sober, you think of drunk. Um, and when, you, when you're drunk, as I understand it, uh, you don't really care about much. <laughs> Somebody told me that, that if I drank, I would probably just sit in the corner and just be quiet or fall asleep. Um, I'm not going to try that. don't care to try that. But, but, uh, but there are no cares. There's no worries. And you can't be focused. Your eyes, your, your mind can't be focused. So the first of this chapter or verses talk about being sober, self-controlled, disciplined, thinking clearly. But number two, we have to be vigilant. We have to be alert. We have to look out. We have to be watchful. The picture, the thought of that lying, seek, lion seeking someone to devour is very frightening. It's very frightening. And I have to watch out for those things. You have to watch out for those lions that are after you because they come up on you very quickly. You might be doing something very innocent or if, you know, something that's completely and you will, could be attacked if you're not watching. In Honduras, we were always told um, you know, to be careful where we went, and it's even more dangerous there now. And I, uh, I always I s smile as I shook that day, but we got off the airport at the airport one time, and uh, Judy pointed us to go to the bus. She goes, Robin, take him out there to the bus. It was here to the parking lot away from us. And as I lined up our people with all our stuff, we're walking out there, and from the side of the bus, comes four uh, military people with big guns and looks on their faces. <laughs> I, I U-turned and went back in the building and uh, I, Judy was like, what are you doing? I said, those people have guns and they're standing by our bus. I'm not going there. And then, and then I was told those are our protection for the week they were going to be with us. And I looked at Judy and I said, I didn't see that in the brochure. I don't remember reading that in the brochure. But we have to be vigilant. We have to be on alert. And it's in Honduras, as well as Columbus and Westerville, you have to know what's around you. You have to watch what's going on around you. And even more with Satan, because he can slip in and get you as quick before you know it. We cannot, be a, we cannot fall asleep on the job. Remember Peter, James, and John in the garden? What a sad sad picture that is as Jesus took them even a little farther than the rest and asked them to be vigilant and pray and they fell asleep and Jesus came back out and his heart was broken because they were not vigilant they did not stay awake they did not pray so you and I have to watch and pray that we do not enter into temptation we have to watch for attacks on ourselves but we also have to watch for attacks on weaker on our weaker brothers and sisters we have to watch for them. We have to discipline. We have to love and care for those who are out on their own, um, who are not God's kids yet. We have to watch for the weak. Um, sometimes we think we're doing pretty well, and we don't pay attention to anybody else around us, but we have to watch out for the weak. Those who are isolated find themselves in trouble very quickly. And then number three, so we have to be sober, we have to be vigilant, we have to resolve. We have to resist Satan. Um, if you remember James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Uh, my greatest memory of that verse being spoken is that our church camp, our old church camp, there was a campfire, basketball court, then the swimming pool. 
a nice big area. We are at a fire circle and Daryl Canty, uh, a student from Michigan Christian College came up. He was doing the devotion that night and he said, he read that verse and he said, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And, uh, and we all just sit there like you are, <laughs> just listening to that. And he says, you don't get it. You have to submit to God and when you resist him, he will flee. Daryl runs from the fire circle clear over to the pool. And for those of you who have been there and know that place, that's a little distance. And from the pool that he said, and Satan will flee from you. He will go away from you. And it was probably one of the best visual uh, descriptions of that verse that I've ever seen. And we have to, to know that if we resist, if we resolve to resist Satan, he will flee from us. In Jude chapter, only one chapter, of course, but chapter three, or verse three, it says, dear friends, I was eager to write to you about sal the salvation we share. I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once entrusted to all of God's holy people, to contend to the faith. What does that mean? What does that mean to contend to the faith? I believe that it means to hold on, to hold on to Jesus with all that you have, to look to God, to, to ask him to guide you and lead you, to be sober, to be vigilant, and to resist Satan. Hold on to that which you know. I think that's important that from the time we are young that we instill in our hearts, and for those of you who are parents, that you instill in the hearts of your children the love of God, the, the sovereignty of God, and that they know his great love for them, and that through their lives they will continue to build on that bank account in their hearts of God, and that when times get tough, you can hold on to that. Those are the things that you revert to in, uh, in, in trouble. A couple years ago, I took a CPR class. I'd done several in the past, continued you know, to try to keep that certified. Two weeks later, we were, as a church, uh, Maureen took us to a, uh, a play. We were all sitting in the seats and about six rows up from us. I always like, I always like to watch people, um, not in a creepy way, but just kind of watch people. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this man was obviously in distress. His head flew back and he jerked a couple times and then he laid his head upon his wife's shoulder. I got up, handed my phone to Diane, I ran down there, and I, he was obviously having a, a cardiac arrest. Um, I helped pull him out, we got him down on the floor, started doing some things. I immediately called up to Diane, and this is what we learned. They said, don't just say somebody called 911, they say, say a name, because that way you'll know somebody actually did it. And. Uh, I just looked up to Diane, I said, Diane, call 911, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and uh, the police came, or the firemen came, they helped him, and they said what we had done had obviously helped you know, him to continue his life. But that was part of being alert for me. That was being alert, watching the people around me. And as ministers, which we all are, we need to be watching the people around us and caring about them and reaching out to them and loving them. But we also have to be sure that we hold on to our faith. 
we have to hold on to our faith because that, as it's been instilled in us, it helps us to react and to do the right things. Had I not had that training, I may have ran up there, but I wouldn't have had no idea what to do. I would, you know, just panic and, you know, but because you're trained, you know. And as a Christian, you know how to act. You know the compassion, the mercy, the forgiveness, the things that should come from your heart. And number four, so it's be sober. Uh, um, goodness. Be sober, uh, vigilant, resolve. And the last one is to be together. We are better and safer when we are together. Uh, there, are, there are so many who are isolated believers and people who are not around Christians. We are better together. We need each other desperately to, to live this world and to, and to move on. <clears throat> so back to the beginning from 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves therefore before God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for some, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And verse 10, and the grace of God, and the grace, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, and after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. After a little while. Sometimes we're in temptation, sometimes we're in sin. And it seems like it's an eternity. It seems like it will never end. But if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we realize that we will endure and be able to come through the fire. Um, we were, I, I don't, I may have stepped out when we sang this, but we were going to sing Refiner's Fire today. Did we sing it? So I, that's when I talked to the Scoutmaster, I missed it. That beautiful song about refining making pure, making whole. And that would be our heart's desire to be holy like God, to be holy like our Father, to be in his image as we talked about in class today. So today, what I want you to understand and get from what we talked about is that there is an enemy. There is a lion alert. And you and I have to be vigilant, we have to be sober, we have to be resolute, and we have to be together in order to conquer this. We need God so badly in our lives, and we need to hold on to him. We need more groups, like Chris talked about today, within our group to, to help each other, to be encouraged, to be encouraged and to help each other, to sharpen each other, to help each other down the road. Because we have to fight Satan. He will be defeated. Satan will be defeated. Can I get an amen on that? He will. And he will find his place. And sadly, there will be a lot of people with him. And I hope that will not be you, and I hope that will not be me. As children of God, we have that promise and that opportunity to hold on to the faith that God has us because he does. But if you are not a child of God, if you are not a Christian, you 
have a home that will not be desirable, and you will be devoured by Satan. He's devouring you now. If you are not one of God's kids, Satan is after your heart, he's after your life, he's after your marriage, he's after you. And if you don't face him and look to him, to God, Satan could have you. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Stand firm, be sober, be vigilant, look to God. If you have a need to respond to the gospel of Christ this morning, uh, please do so while we stand and sing.